0: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One of the big questions is what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do
1: you believe in crypto? Digital currency
2: may be an answer, but it is the highly speculative
0: asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second
2: best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious podcast, proudly brought to you by Bamboo. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned vet or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week we'll break down the top news stories because it gets a bit busy in this space over the last 7 days, keeping you up to date with the latest trends developments. Plus we'll share quick bites of news at the end that you won't want to miss. So if you're new to crypto, recommend starting out with our early apps where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand crypto. So join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of crypto and educate ourselves along the way. So let's dive in together. And this week, Tracy's on leave. She is in Northern WA enjoying a break with her family. So you're stuck with me and Blake. How are you, Blake? Blake. Good, mate. How are you? Good. Look, not used to being in the host chair, but it is what it is.
1: Here we go. I'm sure it's going to be a great episode.
2: (laughs) So today we had this whole episode written yesterday and then overnight it tends to happen, the crypto curious Curse, a bunch of new news stories comes out. So this week we'll be covering off Elon pumping Doge yet again. It feels like it's two years ago. We've also got CZ Rumors, which have been debunked. We've also got the new Ethereum upgrade and how Hong Kong is now becoming a safe haven for crypto innovation. So let's kick things off. You ready, Blake?
1: Yeah, mate. So we've had some news um, around the latest Ethereum upgrade this week. Um, it's called the Shanghai upgrade and the Capella upgrades uh, that have been dubbed the Capella upgrades uh, and it will <laughs> it will activate around 630 p.m UTC on April 12th and this is really an important upgrade that people have been waiting for for over six months now at least um, maybe even longer and it will, result in the unstaking of all of the staked Ethereum, or not all at once, but over a period of time. Meaning that for the first time ever, people will be able to unstake their Ethereum that's been staked potentially for a couple of years now.
2: Yeah, exactly right. So- these staked, you could stake ETH from December 2020. I think we covered this in a previous episode, but now we finally have a date, which is April 12th, as you mentioned. Now, $33 billion worth of staked ETH could be theoretically be sold or withdrawn, and the Shanghai could result in more ETH being staked over the coming months. So there is a bit of a bull case and a bear case with this. Blake, can you go through some of those bull cases and bear cases that you're seeing with the market commentators right now?
1: Mm. You know, obviously a lot of people have staked a lot of Ethereum and potentially need the cash. So they're going to take out, you know, their rewards that they've generated over the past couple of years. And this could result in approximately 130 million USD to 500 million USD of extra selling pressure of Ethereum in the market. Bearish. Yeah, bearish. But this only really makes up about 1.2% to 4% of daily trading volume of, of spot. And when we say spot, we mean not derivative volume like futures or options, but just Crypto being traded in and out of the market. Um, so you're know, potentially because it is a large amount of money, but it is a small amount compared to the daily trading volume of about, t- which is about ten billion dollars. So some people are saying that you know maybe this won't affect it. Th- that's the bear case. There's mm-hmm. really an an economic incentive uh, for people that have the ability to unlock their Ethereum first to sell it. That there might be a thesis to say that they could buy it back at a lower price at a later date if the sell pressure is consistent. But but others are saying that the market can absorb this sort of sell pressure and it shouldn't affect the price too much. And that's really the bear case. How about the bull case, Craig?
2: Yeah. So, the bull case is now that people will actually trust ETH to stake because as you know, it's a little bit nervous to stake an asset that you can't withdraw and you're just trusting an Ethereum developer team to release this and then you can withdraw. So that's, that's one thing I know a lot of people are on the sidelines waiting for this moment to start to stake their ETH. Um, and the chances are that the people that have staked from 2020 are probably diamond hands. And why would they sell when ETH is 65% below its all time high? Obviously me and Blake are just guessing. We have no idea what's going to happen, but this is a, really interesting situation where really smart people are saying two things. But these liquid staking protocols, which account for around 33% of the staked ETH, have already absorbed a huge chunk of the demand to unlock the staked ETH. So now, you know, enabling withdrawals will de-risk the marketplace from using these other protocols. Now they can use the Ethereum official protocol. So of a watch this space?
1: Yeah, I think what you're getting at, Craig, is those that staked their ETH early on really believe in the long-term success of the protocol. Yeah, and you know potentially afford not to have that Ethereum liquid. So you know they may keep it staked. They may not sell into the market. Uh, of course, there's going to be a percentage of people that do. But you know what we're suggesting is that you know potentially it's a small percentage because of the prevalence of these liquid staking protocols like Lido that we've spoken about lots before.
2: Hopefully, by our next episode, we'll have an update for you guys.
1: Mm. Yeah, we'll see in the market whether people are selling or people are pe- more people are staking. You know, we're going to get that data straight off the bat.
2: Yeah, should be good. So another one, hot off the press last night. Elon Musk was at his best. He was sharing Doge and Twitter memes on his official Twitter page. It seems like a bit of an old April Fool's joke, but he essentially changed the Twitter logo to the iconic Shiba Inu Doge logo and this has cultivated in Dogecoin pumping thirty percent over twenty four hours. What are your thoughts, here, Blake? What's the thought process of Elon just randomly doing this?
1: I don't know why he's randomly done this. Is you know Elon's previously been a proponent of Dogecoin, saying that it's you know sufficiently decentralized, it does its job, um, you know, it's not controlled by any. Um, minorities, uh, minority groups. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why he's doing this. He, he's obviously always been a little bit of a troll. So, no doubt he's um, pulling on that thread.
2: Yeah, no doubt. feels like it's bull bull market again with Elon getting amongst it. So sticking on crypto Twitter, I don't know if um, Blake's actually across this. There's been a lot of drama on crypto Twitter recently um, with this account called Kobe, which me and Blake have followed over the years. He's one of crypto's biggest accounts. He has over 700,000 followers and he posted a 256 hash code that if you deciphered it, it said that... CZ was wanted by Interpol. It converted and said, Interpol red notice for CZ. So this, as you can imagine, went viral on Twitter and it got picked up by the CoinDesk, Cointelegraph, amongst other major news sites. And this actually affected the market. Like the price of Bitcoin dumped $1,000, markets were spooked. And then CZ, there was Photoshops going around that CZ was on the Interpol notice board. Like it was just typical crypto and CZ obviously reshared it, said it was a joke. And then the market rebounded straight away. Um, So, and Kobe's laughing about it. So Blake, why does this happen? This, This really does put a damper on the industry a little bit, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. It just really shows how early and how small we are when, you know, a crazy tweet like that can move the market. And I believe that crypto participants have you know generally been more on the anarchist side and been trolls on Twitter. You know, it has that it has that culture and I think it's gonna take some time for it to grow out of that.
2: And that's just peak crypto. Like in 12 hours you had Elon pumping doge and then you had this happen which spooked the market and like you sleep at night and you miss it all. So it's yeah. Anyway, moving on. So we talked a few episodes back about Coinbase's recently launched layer two called Base. Well, now Coinbase devs plan to build an inflation-pegged flat coin. Blake, do you know what this is about?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a startup that Coinbase invested in. Um, That was building on the base network, and they're building um, an inflation-resistant stablecoin which really tracks inflation, so that those that want to store capital somewhere aren't affected by you know the billions and trillions of dollars being uh, created by the U.S. Federal Reserve. I think it's a pretty smart idea. I don't know how it's going to happen um, in practicality, how they're going to do that, but certainly a startup worth following. uh, Maybe we'll find the name of it and put the details in the show notes guys. But yeah, interesting project. And if it does get legs, I could imagine uh, many people wanting to use it.
2: Yeah. And Coinbase also said that they're focusing a lot on insurance protocols. You know, we covered the EULA hack a few weeks ago. We've covered countless hacks here. So this would serve as a critical backstop for users in the event of a smart contract exploit. So I feel like if they get that right, they'll see some good user adoption, Blake.
1: Yeah, mate. And imagine, um, you know, imagine a future where every transaction uh, we, you know, a little bit gets siphoned off through a smart contract and pays for the insurance on that particular, using that particular protocol. Uh, And I think that's really clever and potentially um, the way of the future.
2: So as we've covered in the previous episodes, the US are full force in trying to put crypto in a chokehold and now other countries are doing their best to bring crypto with open arms. So we've seen now that the Hong Kong regulators are taking another step towards becoming a digital asset hub. By holding a meeting between crypto firms and bankers later this month the session is intended to facilitate direct dialogue and share practical experiences in opening and maintaining bank accounts for the crypto sector Blake, what are your thoughts on this? I know that you've had some dramas with US banks. How do you feel about Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, mate. You know, it'd be really interesting to see if this is true dialogue or it's just tokenistic. I could imagine that, you know, some of these institutions, some of these banks are so big that, you know, you might have one arm that's, you know, focused on innovation and really open and supportive of the crypto industry, willing to work with them. But then there's another arm of these banks um, that are focused on compliance and risk and, you know, maybe acting in a different way. So, whether it filters through to any change or not um, will certainly be interesting. But regardless of that, I think it's a step in the right direction.
2: It's quite interesting how you know China has a known anti-crypto stance, but Hong Kong seem to be the ones that are moving the needle on it. So it's going to be interesting to see which you know Web3 hubs do pop up because as you know, like Thailand, Portugal, they're known for having crypto startups and crypto digital nomads that move over there and live. So maybe Hong Kong will be another one.
1: Mm. now there's always been a lot of crypto startups in hong kong uh, and and singapore i think singapore is a little bit bigger but certainly lots of projects have called hong kong home but of course the regulatory environment there has been changing rapidly the last couple years
2: time for a break when we come back we'll go through our short sharp news bites Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome back. Now it's time for our short, sharp news bites. I'll key things off. So Gemini, a crypto exchange led by the Winkelvoss twins, reportedly working with market makers to introduce overseas crypto derivatives. <laughs> Let's just bring more trading options out there. This move follows increased attention on international crypto derivatives after the U.S. CFDC's lawsuit against Binance. Gemini's actions also come after FTX's downfall, so they're clearly seeing an opportunity there to take some global market share. Coinbase Global is also said to be exploring a similar path. They're moving away from the U.S., Like
1: People want to trade derivatives. People want leverage. People want derivatives. (laughs) People want
2: want 100x leverage.
1: Uh, Next story, Disney is cutting its entire metaverse division consisting of 50 people as part of broader restructure that is expected to reduce its workforce by about 7,000 people. So, you know, I don't think they're particularly going after metaverse here. It looks like they're doing a a massive cull um, and trying to save money. Uh, And the metaverse division has been caught up in this as it's obviously not part of their core business. So it's a bit unfortunate. Um, They might pivot back at some point, Uh, but yeah.
2: Poor metaverse division. Now, DeFi decentralized exchange, DYDX, is now going to be run on Cosmos, which is another layer one blockchain, citing slow and expensive transactions on Ethereum. They announced the news last Tuesday and said by the end of September, the platform will be fully running on Cosmos. So D Y D X are pretty big, the you know two point five billion dollar fully diluted market cap, so they're almost in the top one hundred. So it's a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah, for sure. It'd be interesting to see their your thought process why they didn't go to Ethereum Layer Two and why it was you know less of a move to move to Cosmos. Cosmos is a is it an EVM compatible blockchain? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And that just means that. They can use their smart contracts that they built for Ethereum on the Cosmos blockchain, which makes um, it really interoperable in some ways. Next up, Vitalik Buterin, uh, the founder of Ethereum, has sent a hidden message in the first Polygon ZKEVM transaction. So ZK stands for zero knowledge which is a type of mathematics which can show a proof or a confirmation of Sank without revealing the underlying data that led to that proof.
2: We might actually do another episode on that because I know there's ZK Sync, which people are trying to get airdrops on right now. So maybe we we have a Zero Knowledge episode, I think, Blake, because this is a new world on Ethereum, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's been in the underbelly for many years and there's dozens of incredible projects with lots of promise that are going to um, bring the next evolution to these protocols using this technology. So, yeah, I think we can do a deep dive into this one. It's going to um, certainly paint a picture of the future.
2: Cool. Last but not least, MemeCoin SafeMoon has been wrecked $9 million due to a public burn bug. Now, a recent upgrade to the meme coin smart contract saw the project robbed of nine million. And then stolen. So not good for safe mode holders, but notorious meme coin.
1: There you go. And um, we actually have one last story here. Uh, Justin Sun, who is the founder of Tron, which is an infamous protocol, uh, Layer 1 protocol, in a tweet said he'd buy 41,000 Bitcoins that uh, the U.S. government holds from seizures at a 10% discount, which is a massive amount of bitcoins, a massive amount of money. I don't know if this is just a publicity stunt, Craig, or Justin actually has the cash um, ready to go for this one.
2: Well, the what... <laughs> the wallet trackers suggest that he does have a lot of crypto. It's a joke on crypto Twitter that he's called his excellency (laughs) because he has so much, but I love it. I love him. You know, he just always, it's definitely a publicity stunt. Like we're talking about it (laughs) and you know, We're we're the biggest podcast in Australia, Blake. So um, he's just getting some more eyes on his Twitter, I think. That's it. That's it. Cool. So wrapping up there, next week we'll be actually having a week off from the markets. So the next episode that'll drop will be a fortnight from here on the 19th of April. So tune in then and we'll give you a fortnightly update on what's gone on. In the news of crypto, which I'm sure will be a lot.
1: If you haven't signed up to the Bamboo app and uh, you'd like to DC into crypto, ladies and gentlemen, uh, use the Crypto Curious code when signing up and you'll get $10 free Ethereum uh, for our listeners. Uh, and as well as that, check out our Facebook group. And if you want to ask us any questions or include anything into the next podcast, please email us at podcast at getbamboo.io.
2: Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your
1: Easter. Bye. Bye.
0: Crypto Curious is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.